Alright, now that we're all pumped up, uh, ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It is Monday, November 21st, and time again for 10 dozen minutes of pre-Thanksgiving trip to fame anticipation with Jake and Mr. Skullhead. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and Jake is already on the line, actually. I, I am. I was on the line beforehand, so you didn't get to sing your little song. Uh, for those of you not listening live, uh, Mr. Skullhead picked a, a slow, depressing song to start the show with. I try. Because it wasn't brain, depressing. wasn't wasn't exactly even melancholy. Just very slow, very soft. In my brain, that song is always faster than it it actually is because it has a little shuffle to it, you know. In your brain, it's a cover by Cornmo of that song. Yeah, and the rage that I feel when I hear Cornmo. I've been following Cornmo on Twitter for a while, and man, that guy is awesome. Is he super annoying? Oh, buddy, someday. Someday you'll learn to differentiate between things that are good and things that are bad. I see that there's a new Muppets movie coming out. Uh, yep. Speaking of things that could be good or bad, I suppose that's a very large category, things that could be good or bad. Yeah. Uh, have the uh, have Muppet movies experienced a decline in recent years? Yeah, I mean, like there, were, there weren't any after Muppet Treasure Island, which was not particularly good. Did that have Gina Davis in it? No. That was a uh, cutthroat. Uh, that was Muppet Cutthroat Island. Okay. Which uh, was weird because it involved a lot of Muppets cutting each other's throats. I think that you just can't do Treasure Island. You'd like Disney tried the Treasure Island in Space thing with Treasure Planet. And Treasure Island in Space is kind of a cool idea, but the movie was just kind of boring and stupid. And the uh, Muppet Treasure Island was by far the least of the Muppet oeuvre. Hmm. Wasn't there uh, like a movie version of Treasure Island in the 60s that was pretty instrumental in popularizing all of the sort of modern pirate tropes that we have? Yeah, like Treasure Island as Treasure Island seems to work okay. I see. What is the plot of Treasure Island? Scooby-Doo on Treasure Island. (laughs) A young boy gets a treasure map from a dude. Uh, Young... Like, Orphan Boy works in an inn, and one of the guys in the inn has this treasure map, and he ends up, like, dying while the his pirate crew is searching for him to get the treasure map back. So Orphan Boy ends up with treasure map, sets sail on a ship full of pirates, and a captain who doesn't know the ship is full of pirates ends up with a mutiny, and the pirates try and steal the treasure, and in the end the kid gets the treasure, I guess. Hmm. I'm not real clear. I mean, I guess arguably The Goonies is is like the Treasure Island story in that it has a map that people find. Right. Any, uh, in, the way, in a way, a Stand By Me is like Treasure Island in that they find the map to the dead body. Right. In a way, Indiana Jones is like Treasure Island in that there's a map. Well. And some treasure. Uh, time Bandits. What other movies have a map in them? <laughs> Well, let's look up, look it up on Wikipedia. I'm sure there's an entire page devoted to movies featuring maps. Uh, I saw uh, Tower Heist. That was actually really good. Was it? Huh. I had been set up to be disappointed by it somehow. Yeah, I would say that I'm set up to be disappointed by it. The ads, uh, the what what is it that makes of, you... Do you not like Ben Stiller? I don't like Brett Ratner. Okay. So is it because he said that rehearsal is for fags? Uh, no, that was fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I am surprised that. I, I think part of the reason that I always felt like reasonably secure 
up until recently at least, uh, part of the reason I always felt reasonably, reasonably secure on my side of that argument was that complaining about that seemed fairly niche. But for that to have actually been like a public shitstorm and for him to have, have lost a, a lucrative and, uh, and high-status gig as a result of that makes me think that, like, uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the way things have shifted in general. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where you can no longer you can no longer feel like everyone should think you're a reasonable, decent person and continue to say fag in public. Yeah. It sucks. Like, and we want to be able to say, like, well, people say things for different reasons and there are in-jokes and there are, you know, all kinds of history and it means something different in our group and but if we continue to say, like, we are reasonable people of goodwill who are not homophobes, then that just follows now. We have to know that it's not okay to say that anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it it's means a, it's not, which means it's not, right? Like, that civilization gets to decide. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you and you know, it's weird because it seems like in a lot of other, in a lot of other environments, the, the, the sort of, like, PC backlash caused it to, a lot of that to go in the opposite direction for a while. Sure. But I guess, you know, I guess the ones that remain are the ones that are, the ones that are genuine. Yeah. You know, maybe that's what, that's what our culture has learned from its, from its brief, uh, flirtation in college with not trying to offend anyone ever. Right. And you get to say, like, these few people who are offended by what I'm saying are being unreasonable and then you hit that critical mass where it's like, well, if I'm going to continue to say that I'm a guy who doesn't go out of his way to offend people I'm going to have to look yep. at this another way but again, like you would think Brett Ratner would have fucking better known better and he either didn't or didn't care yeah, I think it gets it gets harder and harder to be a person who says things in public and uh, and doesn't have much filter, right? Which, and, and I think that I think that like often the the auteur is someone who doesn't have much of a filter, yeah. right? So if they if they just happen to have wound up on the wrong side of some hot button issue, I mean, do you remember how Tracy Morgan lost his job uh, on Thirty Rock because he said that uh, homosexuality was just kind of a mental disorder. Yeah, although that, you know, there was a uh, shitstorm. Uh, our position, I feel like, gay. it would have always been that 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 was demonstrative of like some really genuine homophobia. Right. Right. I think it's just weird that somebody who says fag or faggot tends to, in Hollywood, tends to lose their position. Somebody who just either doesn't believe gay people exist or believe that they're just misguided straight people or you know like the things that are general like genuinely caustic to society people who have those beliefs tend to come out okay when there are shit storms it's weird well sure i mean i i think that's just the like you know people who don't get caught committing crimes don't get punished for committing crimes right i mean it's it, like a lot of people who are worse people can get better PR than than better people, right? Like just because they care about PR more. I mean, you know, ar arguably, like being the kind of guy that eh, I always had this approach to, and 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 I got into I, I got into arguments with people at like every job that I ever had, where I would like say something, and they would say, "Oh man, you can't you can't say that at work." And it wasn't even like it wasn't even something offensive or bad. It was just like. 
yeah, that this seems like a really dumb way to do this. Like, the, huh. you know, this this policy like genuinely doesn't make any sense. And I don't understand why we have to do it this way when, like, here's this list of reasons, you know, this list of, like, tangible problems that following this dumb policy has caused. And it's like, no, you know, yes, everyone knows that, but you can't talk about it because you're in work mode now. You're, you're the different person that you are when you're at work. You're the different person that you are when you're in public. Right. And that always seemed to be a, a sort of, like, a disingenuous thing to me, although... I also get into it because I don't think that you should swear around little kids. And it always surprises people when I get on them for swearing around little kids. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I don't, like, get on them. I'm, I just, like, man, there's kids around. And they say, what? You? What? That's always their response when I say don't what? say fuck around little kids. Everybody turns into Cartman's mom. Which, I, you know, I suppose this is just me not... Uh, having as as consistent an ethos as I like to think that I do. <laughs> I don't think of you as a guy who swears a lot, though, either. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, mean, I, I think I swear. I mean, yeah. I guess we've 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 had this conversation before, where you say that you swear more than I do. I, I think I. I think maybe I swear inappropriately. Like in noticing in in like sort of this last year, a much more positive outcome from like meeting other people in the video games industry uh-huh. uh, by saying okay maybe it's maybe I should filter myself a little bit when I'm around not even just like people that I want to uh, impress but people that I don't know very well uh-huh. right like I think that there's I, I, I think of myself as a person who swears a lot because of all of the times that I've embarrassed myself by swearing around somebody who had bothered ah because I just am not very careful. I do with. tend to dial it back until I hear the other person swear, I guess. And whereas I, I, you know, I reserve it until I feel strongly enough to do it or until I think it would be funnier to, to swear uh, than, than to not swear, and that tends to be irrespective of my audience, which is just, you know... Although the other day, uh, yesterday morning, Ollie was in his room asking for help fixing the nose on his Mr. Potato Head. He said, Papa, fi- come fix the nose. I'm like, bring it in here and I'll fix it. Papa, come in here and fix the nose. And finally he walked in and said, Papa, could you just come fix the fucking nose? <laughs> so, well, that happened. So now I'm, uh, I'm getting into the Ned Flanders swears. Because uh, I don't want to be that guy with the little kid that cusses all the time. Because that's kind of white trash, I feel. Yeah, it's and it's Which a hard, is hard thing. Because too, I'm because like... Shit, motherfucker, that shit's tight. Like, that's just kind of how I talk. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the reason the reason that I've always felt pretty strongly that you you shouldn't swear around little kids that aren't yours or even little kids that are yours is right. that you it, it takes a while before you understand the context in which it's okay to indiscriminately swear and the context in which it's not right. right? And kids don't have the ability to judge it even like even i think like you know a seven or eight year old kid doesn't necessarily have the 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 real framework in which to gauge i don't know about that though because um like vaginal blood farts kids they have a four-year-old who they have never bothered not swearing in front of and have just told him that you know like if you you can say like 
help me with this damn thing at home, but if you say that at school, you're going to get in trouble, and we're not going to have your back. If you say that in front of Grandma, you're going to get in trouble, and he apparently has been fine with it. Yeah, well, you know, I guess you set up uh, you set up some formal rules for it. And yeah. I'm sure that Ali is smart enough that he could parse that. I just would rather not, even at home with us, have him walking around talking like Quentin Tarantino. That's kind of funny. I mean, it's funny in the same way that, like, getting him drunk would be funny. Right, you know? I think it's only funny <laughs> if it's not yours. Yeah. Somebody yeah. else's kid walking around going, shit, bitch, make me a fucking sandwich. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, especially if it works. I mean, that, then they've learned that's the right way to get a sandwich. Yeah. You gotta watch reinforcing the behavior that you don't like. Gamelli's, Gamelli's story about his kid uh, at the parent-teacher conference. <laughs> that was beautiful. Can, should we, can we share that? Should we share that? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I think so. I think it's a pretty funny story where uh, it was the, the, the teacher had, like, gotten on him a couple times for, like, using somebody else's stuff without asking permission first. And, uh, and, and she said, now, what would you say if this happened again? And I, and I said to you again, please don't use other people's things without asking them first. And he said, I would say... Jesus Christ! Do you have eyes in the back of your head or something? <laughs> Which I get to like. It is so easy for me to imagine myself in the position of the dad at a parent-teacher conference and just being both unable and fundamentally unwilling to not laugh when something funny happened. Right. You know, and 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 I I, I imagine that I will get a lot of dirty looks from a lot of teachers uh, before before this ride is over. Sure. Uh, kids, they just say the darndest things, you know? That's that's the thing about them. Uh, delightful little scamps. See, and my lack of a filter is really just an attempt to capture that childlike exuberance and enthusiasm for the world. Jick says the darndest things. That sense of wonder. Uh, so I had, a, I had a good thing happen and a bad thing happen. Which one do you want to hear about first? I would like to hear about the good thing that happened to you first. Okay. Uh, so there was a piece of music that for... I am guessing three years had been stuck in my head. Uh, it was just like a little, like a piano riff. It had been stuck in my head and I had been unable to identify it. Uh, and I had like whistled it for people that I thought might know and just had had no luck. And because it was just a little instrumental thing, there was really no way for me to find it out, right? And I, and I think the frustration of this was was thrown into sharp relief by the modern absence of that kind of thing happening to us. Yeah. Right. That like, it, it is difficult to think of the last time you're like, oh, who was that guy in that movie, and then didn't immediately find out. Yeah. And I was like, when we were kids, sometimes you would just not know stuff for like months. Um, but I finally found it, and it was uh, it was uh, our own Flinkle who helped me out. Uh, I listened to a mashup uh, that this guy had made of like forty Beatles songs. Uh, oh right! That had come out a long time ago. There, there was that post on Boing Boing that was every Beatles song played simultaneously, which was just congratulations. That's a whole lot of noise. Yeah, yeah, very much noise. Uh, but then, and they linked to this mashup, and in the middle of the mashup was this piece of music, and I was like, oh, like, it's a Beatles song. It's a, if it's a Beatles song, somebody's gonna know it. So I, and then I, then I, I had it. I had a thing that I could point to. So I gave them a link, and I said, all right, the the thing at one seventeen is this thing that I've been trying to identify for years, and it turns out that it is the uh, it is the bridge to In My Life by the uh. Beatles. Which, it makes sense because I, uh, when, I lived, uh, when I lived with Disco Banjo, he listened to the Beatles a lot, and I heard that song a lot, but then I never had the album with that on it. 
And so it wasn't a song that I was ever exposed to. Uh, and I could never quite identify what instrument it was, which made it harder to describe to people. And it turns out that the reason that I couldn't is because it was a it was an electric piano that had been played at half speed or played an octave low and at half speed and sped up so that it kind of sounded like a harpsichord. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it didn't like immediately identify as a harpsichord, so I was never sure whether it was a harpsichord or not. So that was a... And, and, and Flinkle is now my new BFF. I said that whoever can identify this will be my new BFF. <laughs> um, so yeah, I might I might be called upon uh, to, to do a favor at some point, just so you know. What are the general duties of a BFF? Uh, I don't know. Uh, something about Chinese food, uh, I heard last okay. night. Uh, I don't know. Some Chinese food-related task that I will have to perform at some point in the near future. Okay. Uh, the bad thing that happened was actually a good thing with uh, with bad consequences. I, I I went and played paintball. Uh, For the first a, time? No, uh, it was the second time, but the first time was maybe 12, 13 years ago. Uh. Uh, and so it was the first time as an old-ass man. <laughs> uh, and so the, the that night and the following day, and even still today... Uh, walking is extremely difficult as a result of the uh, delayed onset muscle soreness in my legs from uh, from just a lot of like creeping around behind lines of barrels and rapidly alternating between s- squatting and standing you know right. doing a lot of stuff with my muscles uh, that my muscles weren't accustomed to in a context where I was too busy like trying to keep my eyes on the battlefield and worrying about getting shot in the ass and stuff to really pay attention to the level of exertion. How did you do? Pretty good, actually. Huh. Um, yeah, I, I, like, I, I definitely, I felt like I was going to be that, like, guy who was just a liability to his team, but I ended up not being that guy. Uh-huh. I got, I think I probably hit as many or slightly more people as hit me, which is really all you can hope for. Got some good, uh, got some good welts, but man, it just, it just was nearly impossible to go up and down steps yesterday without just mm-hmm. agonizing pain. And of I, course, when we went to the movies, uh, the only parking spot was like all the way across the fucking parking lot. A thing that normally I don't care about. Normally, I'll just park in the first spot I see, irrespective of how far it is from the place. Sure. Because it's like, oh, worst case scenario, I get a little bit more exercise, you know. And I, I really, there is almost nothing that I dislike more than parking uh, when there are actual obstacles to parking. Huh. I hate driving around. I hate getting stuck behind somebody who's waiting for somebody to pull out of a parking spot or worse, getting stuck behind somebody who's following some people who are walking to their car. Yeah, that is true depth of desperation. <clears throat> yeah. And I just, I get so mad at them that I, I don't let anybody else do it. I try to discourage the practice as much as I can, but if I see somebody doing that, if I see somebody waiting for me to pull out of a parking spot and holding up traffic, I will just sit in my car until they leave. <clears throat> you are an American hero. Uh, you know, I think that probably makes me an asshole. I don't know, it's, a, it's an asshole to an asshole. The asshole of my asshole is my friend. <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, I think the asshole of my asshole is my urethra. Ah, gotcha. I, I learned that at my at my brief uh, visit to medical school. It it is this the fundamental principle I think that to me seems like a really fundamental principle, but that a lot of people just don't seem to have. Like 
there is almost no discomfort greater to me than knowing that someone is waiting for me to get out of the way. Hmm. And it, when I am in that experience, my my paramount priority becomes getting out of the way rather than accomplishing whatever it is that I'm trying to accomplish. So you get flustered? Yeah. Well, I don't get flustered. I just I just leave, right? Which is why which is why I don't like parking. I don't like getting put in these positions where it's like, all right, well, if I want to get this parking space, I need to sit here for a second. But every second that I sit here is a second that somebody behind me is getting pissed off at me. And justifiably so. I would be pissed off if I were behind them. I think it's also why I have a hard time in crowded bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a line, if I am, like, at a urinal and there is anyone waiting behind me, I just can't piss. And I think that it is not about, like, not being able to piss if there's somebody else in the room. It is only if there is someone waiting. And that I am aware of that person. That, for whatever reason, my the anxiety that is created in me... Uh, I should get this over with and get the fuck out of the way so that everybody can get their shit done. Yeah, well, presumably they're they're pissed. Uh, Hopefully not at the urinal. Yeah, it just it just makes it so it's like uh, well that anxiety just just uh, slammed shut my uh, interior dick hatch. Secretary of the Interior, dick hatch. <laughs> Wait, he got promoted from being on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yep. Or winning Survivor. <laughs> Did he win Survivor? It was a different guy named Richard Hatch. Oh, wow. Hatch is one of those rough last names, too. Yeah, what do you put with Hatch? You can't name your kid Escape. Yeah, like you would want to. You can't name him Batten Downda. Yeah, that's true. Um, What other phrases have Hatch in them? That's pretty much it. You can't name him Orin. Because there's already an orange hatch. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, like, my goal has been to have as many children as possible named after inanimate objects from the never-ending story. Yeah. You couldn't name him Cross. <laughs> That's true. I'm not um, saying you couldn't. I'm saying you probably shouldn't. Crisscross. You can name him Crisscross Hatch. Uh, so yeah, those those were all of the things that have happened to me recently. How have you been? Oh, good. We had a uh, went to a chili cookoff on Saturday, Ooh. where uh, eight of our friends brought eight different kinds of delicious chili, and made it unnecessary for us to eat for the entire rest of the day. That was some good stuff. How did you uh, How did you find them? I the last time I went to a chili cookoff, which was actually uh, at the at the house of the guy that uh, organizes paintball thing. It's huh. a weird coincidence. Um, I found that there were like out of maybe fifteen chilies, there were three that I would have that I would have like probably voluntarily eaten an entire bowl of, uh-huh. and they were all the three that were like the most similar to the kind of chili that I make. These, there were some radically different ones than I had seen before. Somebody did one that was kind of barbecue-ish with buffalo meat in it. Okay. It was delicious. Somebody made one with white beans and chicken, which to me was more of a chicken soup than a chili, but, you know, a loose interpretation is fine. Someone made a chocolate one that was very much like a mole sauce, but just... You know, a mole sauce with ground beef in it. Mm-hmm. And that was good. 
Actually, they're I, all good. I think yeah. a, a chili cook-off is one of those is one of those uh, environments in which a lot of a certain type of person is encouraged to kind of outsmart himself a uh-huh. little. We didn't have anybody. You want know, you want to do you want to advance the state of the art, I guess. So right. you end up doing something weird that doesn't necessarily pay off. Yeah, this one uh, seemed like all the gambits paid off. Nobody went for just as hot as they could make it. Yeah, that's good. So that was good. I find that uh, a chili without chili, uh, <laughs> a chili without meat is not chili to me, and a chili without beans is not chili to me, and so that that disqualified like half of the entries. Yeah, someone was saying that it's that some people define a chili as not having beans in it. And to oh. me, without the beans, it's just a meat sauce. Yeah, it's sort of like bolognese. Yeah, like put that on some noodles or something. Yeah. I like my, uh, I like my chili uh, thick, but not like spreadable thick, you know? Like your women? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I I would not make. I think the kind of chili that you get on like a chili dog, right? Yeah. That's more. That's more of like a paste. That it, that's it, a little too too cohesive. I like to be able to dip a cracker in it and get some liquid and not a lot of other stuff. But yeah, you know, kidney beans or uh, ranch style beans and ground beef. I also uh, not a big fan of chilies with shredded beef. There were some good ones with the uh, the carnitas. Or I guess the shredded beef is pork. not. Yeah, that would be pork. Shredded beef might may or may not be barbacoa. Yeah, yeah. If um, Chipotle, the yeah, restaurant is to be believed. By the Chipotle, the Chipotle English Dictionary. Right. Although they say pork carnitas, you might be able to make beef carnitas. I think carnitas just means little meat, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard that a lot in your affairs with Mexican women. Yes. Yes, I have. Oh. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I was insulted by a Mexican girl. <laughs> I think that my chili is just like kidney beans and black beans and ground turkey usually. Okay. And then tomato paste and some crushed diced tomatoes and onion. I don't maybe. tend to make mine with any actual tomatoes in it. I, in general, it's like a tomato juice stock, uh-huh. uh, beans and meat. And maybe diced onions. No, always diced onions. I always put diced onions in it. Well, of course. Now that we've straightened that out. Anything else? Anything else besides the chili cook-off? What happened? Seems like there might have been things. I was thinking, yeah, I should totally talk about... But no. I don't think so. Got me, uh, we got Skyward Sword... Oh yeah, I've been playing around with that a little bit. The uh, every review is right that the first hour is painful. How so? It's it's all the tutorial, like walking around, talking to people, and figuring out how to move and stuff. But it involves hearing the same little bits of or reading the same little bits of conversation just over and over and over. Like when you walk, when you accidentally walk off the world, which happens a lot because it's a floating world and the play control takes some getting used to, you have like a little animation where somebody on a bird comes and saves you and drops you back on the world, and then like six screens of, hey there, I saved you this time, but I'm not always going to be around. Maybe you should be more careful. Blah 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 blah. blah. Every fucking time. Huh. So yeah, yeah that sucks. 
It got a little annoying, but uh, like the actual game, once it the once it gets out of your way, seems like it's going to be quite fun. That's cool. I felt kind of the same way about Wind Waker. I remember being really bored by all the stuff that happened on that first island, uh-huh. where you were like learning to sword fight and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know that I will even buy Skyward Sword. That might be a thing that I just look over Rift's shoulder while he plays it. Huh. And hope that he doesn't hit me in the face with his Wiimote. Because I think at this point I would have to buy a new controller for it. Right? Because it uses that Motion Plus stuff that I don't have. You don't have any of that stuff? And then it just wouldn't... It was, I don't know. I'll turn it on and it won't work. It'll... There'll be some grid of LEDs that alternate between an orange and a green that I can't distinguish to let me know what's going on. Right. I forgot that uh, you and the Wii have a you have a thing going on. Well, I have the problems that somebody has with their Wii if they try and turn it on once every six months. Right. You know. Um, you know what I've been playing, and I've been thinking of you because I think that you might actually like this. Is the uh, Super Mario 3D Land for the 3DS? Yeah, boy, are there all kinds of games on the 3DS that I want to play. Are there, actually? Well, just the the, the new Pilot Wings of Mario Kart, the um, Super Mario Land. <laughs> but I don't want a handheld console at all. Yeah. And the last time that I had one, I played it for a couple of hours and then sold it on eBay. Yeah. The regular DS that I have that you gave me, your old one, yeah, I played for like a couple of hours on a road trip, and then it's just sitting in a box somewhere. So like, I know that yeah. I don't want this thing, but they keep putting out iterations of every game that I enjoy playing on every other Nintendo console. So yeah, did you ever get into Star Fox? Oh, Star Fox. I've only ever played the first one. I think I actually. I think the only time I ever played it was at your house. Now that I think about it, didn't the. Star Fox 64 have some like RPG elements to it? I don't know. Something? I, I don't think so, because I, the only thing that I've played uh, apart from like maybe uh, 10 minutes of Star Fox when I was in high school was uh, the, the Star Fox 64 re-release for the 3DS, which is just very arcade-y. Uh-huh. Um, it's, got, it's got the same kind of exploration elements that like Castlevania 3 had, where there's more than one way to progress through the game. Right? There's like an overworld map that goes only in one direction and there's some branch points. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I haven't gotten I haven't gotten super into it. The, the new Super Mario is pretty good though. It's it is just very uh, elementally a Mario game, and the 3D is used. I mean, not not the actual like 3D of the 3DS because I leave that turned off, same as always. Right. Um, but it being in 3D is actually used to to good effect, and it's it's less just like, hey, look at this wankery that we can do with the, the fact that this is a 3D level. You know, it looks it's, like it's um, melding the tropes of the <clears throat> 2D and the 3D games, which is kind of weird to see. It is. It is. But, it, I mean, that just sort of makes it, it... It has the advantages of 3D, but it has all of... It doesn't have the disadvantages of 3D, and that, for me at least, where I'm not just constantly lost. Right. Um, because it's fixed camera. Um, and it's always... It always puts the camera in a place that makes it so you can see what's going on um and it has to take weird liberties with the level design because of that Uh, so it's a lot more like the sort of abstract galaxy kind of thing where we're not actually going to put you inside any environments where the walls would interfere with with the camera Uh, right so it's like you're just sort of playing in a diorama 
but you know that's great like it's it it isn't any more or less atmospheric than the other stuff I mean I guess it feels a little bit it feels like a disconnected series of levels but that's kind of what I like my Mario games to be it's just weird to see the like the 3D series like the Mario Galaxies and the Super Mario 64 have different like a slightly different set of power ups and everything Mm-hmm. Than the Super Mario Brothers, two D titles, like you never see. I want to say you never see like a shrinking mushroom in the three D Galaxy type games. They just have like a slightly different char- like set of shit, and it seems like they've just thrown everything in this one. So well, cool. I, it's actually surprisingly small palette that they've used to do it. The, yeah. the only power ups that I've encountered are the Fire Flower the tanuki suit and then this thing that turns you into like a, a koopa that throws boomerangs huh and that's it uh and Are i've you... and i've played almost to the end of the seventh of eight worlds so i think that might just be it are you fighting bowser's kids at the end of each level or are you fighting just random enemies it's you are fighting Bowser's kids at the ends of some of the levels, and you are fighting. Uh, I guess it's not actually Bowser, but it is like some Magikoopa disguised as Bowser, but uh-huh. it's effectively Bowser. <laughs> right. Like every <clears throat> like three of the end worlds so far have been like Bowser is shooting fireballs at you in these things that you have to negotiate, and then you get to the end and you hit the button that collapses the bridge and sends him into the lava. Like it's it's like this kind of back to basics approach okay. yeah I don't know I haven't seen any reviews of it I've not I've not read a single word that anyone has said about this video game on the internet and I'm curious uh, how people feel about it like who have been enthusiastically into Mario games yeah, I don't know still looking forward to the paper Mario game for the 3ds but I know nothing about it there's a lot of talk about like Nintendo being in danger of going out of business I don't know how real that is Huh. I know they kind of took a bath on the 3DS, right? Although they, since the price drop, and I don't know if they're selling them at a loss, which would suck, but since the price drop, uh, apparently it went, the, the rate at which people were buying them went up to the point where it has done better in its launch year than the DS did. Um, in terms of just, like, number of units. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe they make some good games and that translates into more money for them, but... It, it seems like they're uh, like I have zero excitement as regards the new Wii, uh-huh. right? I mean that just seems like it's like uh, okay, it's sort of like a slight variation on a thing that I'm not particularly interested in to begin with. Well, for me, it's <clears throat> I enjoyed all of the Nintendo titles for the Wii, and maybe a couple of titles that weren't Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So for them to say, like, we're going to do an HD console with this kind of extra screen that might be cool, and you'll get to play another Mario Kart and Mario and Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong and Zelda and F-Zero or some shit, then sure. I'll mm. give it a shot. A new, a new Pilot Wings where you're flying a paper airplane on the controller and a real airplane on the screen. That makes sense. That doesn't make um, any sense. Eh, I don't know. I mean, 
sometimes you know and it's again it's like Nintendo's trying to do stuff right and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't and that's the penalty that's the penalty for for innovation right is is the occasional failure and you need somebody to innovate less along the lines of let's just get the best graphics that this console can kick out yep ah some new properties wouldn't kill them you know right how do you like, start? Because how many times can you play Mario Kart? Like how mu- how much can that game be refined? And I feel like there's got to be at this point half of that series that you could really easily just skip and not be missing anything. They tend to add a little bit every time that make it worth going through everything again. Not sure why. I'm trying to think which there was one that I played some of Maybe it was the GameCube one. Uh-huh. I remember there being a Rainbow Road track. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah. Uh, oh, you were in you were in uh, go karts. Oh, that one. Hmm. Well, hey, speaking of video games, do you want to you want to take some KOL questions? Yeah, let's talk about this game. Did you see that video? I did. I was pretty excited about that. Thanks to everybody who uh, pointed out the Game of Thrones thing. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, check our Facebook page. I linked it on there. Oh, good, good. And it's um, uh, apparently one of the uh, executive producers slash writers of Game of Thrones either plays KOL or has somebody who gave him a shirt. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I was pretty happy about that. Um, I think I'll show that video to my mother. Are you going to show her uh, five copies of that see. video? Maybe I will buy five copies of that video for my mother. Well, you know what's going to show up at my house tomorrow? What? 450 pounds of comic books. Oh. 450 pounds? Yep. Wow. It had a... uh, There are 23 boxes, and they each weigh 20 pounds. Damn. So, yeah. So then what's the plan? Are you shipping out a bunch of those? You gotta sign a bunch of shit? Yeah, I got a, I got a plan. Well, I, yeah, I have to sign like a thousand autographs. Nice. I know you love that. I mean, I get to sign a thousand autographs. Mm-hmm. Doug is about halfway through doing the 150 sketches that he needs to do for people. Nice. So that's good. I bought him some markers. Cool. I figured, you know, he shouldn't have to spend his money that he got paid to do this to do this extra thing. Right. What kind of markers does he use to do sketches? I don't know. I haven't seen the markers. I only know he bought some. Hmm. I'd be interested to, if I'm if I'm ever there when he happens to be working on anything and he would let me watch, I'd be interested in seeing that. I'm feeling that's not going to happen, though. I think we ought to fly him out for a day or two at Comic-Con. Oh, Okay. He can sit at our table and draw stuff, and you can watch. All right. Uh, Naked Jew writes, A notable thing to fix during your level-by-level quest tweaks is make sure there's a notification that the castle is now open at the end of the non-combat that unlocks it. Yep, that is a good, uh, that is a good point. Those, those uh, stop happening at a fixed point, and they shouldn't anymore. Uh, Landar says, Documentation. Uh, Index of all pages, comma, searchable, comma. There is no account menu. It's now options. Ah, okay, good point there. A detailed list of how everything in options works. Ah, 
that is not necessary. Everything in the options menu is explained. Anything that requires details has details in it. Uh, explanation of quest pages and options, I don't know what that means. A full list of macro commands, that is already there. Uh, navigation options, the mini window that opens for me in Firefox has no navigation buttons. Yeah, that's deliberate. Uh, combat bar explanation slash examples, uh, okay. So I can see that, because that was made and never documented. Uh, hope that is a helpful starting point for ways to improve the documentation. That was just from a cursory two-minute poke-through of things I remember looking for years ago or that jumped out at me from my quick perusal of anything I missed is actually in there. I missed it in the lack of index slash navigation as part of that problem. Well, okay, so that's much better feedback than the kind of feedback we normally get about that. Linguini Land says, It would be cool if the pickpocketing message for the wine racks got changed to fish around in your opponent's rack. Uh, uh, that uh, isn't a thing, though. Does anybody ever say that? I'm going to fish around in that girl's rack. Yeah, you know, I don't think it does. That doesn't sound sexy at all. Yeah. Yeah, because what if you catch something? The repa says, whatever happened to Family Hot Dog? Whatever happened to Family Hot Dog, Mr. Skelet? Uh, family Hot Dog is had to go on a little bit of a hiatus while Jess was student teaching. We just didn't have, like, a single night in a week that she didn't come home at five and have to work on school stuff until midnight. Mm. So, yeah. It'll be, um, probably Thanksgiving Day we'll record another one. Alright, are you having Thanksgiving we'll... dinner with a VBF? Nah, but we're gonna go over there afterwards. Mmm, and get Thanksgiving shitty drunk. We're gonna have sloppy Thanksgiving seconds. Uh, I think those are just called leftovers. I'm, I'm leaving on my uh, little Thanksgiving adventure in a couple of days. <sighs> Me and my mom and my girlfriend going to Las Vegas. I'm going to try and find a pool to lounge by, and I don't care how cold it is. Yeah, you should do that. Is it even cold in Vegas? I don't know. It was cold when we went there in March. There's got to be a hot tub somewhere. I'll yeah. just find a hot tub. Uh, Yodo says, I will be leaving my country soon. Can I get your bank details to send you for money for safekeeping? You would be well rewarded. I have been getting a lot of those emails recently. Uh-huh. I don't know if people have figured out a way to get those through Gmail's spam filter or what, but, like, there's a lot of them that are of the form, I am, randomly generated female name, comma, a Christian. Well, then you know how to trust them. You you know that you should trust them. You know how to trust them. You use your um, trust gland. Uh, JB77 says, could you add a compact option for hags in the closet? I missed the combo boxes. Do you really miss the combo boxes, or are you just saying that because you see them? Deadnet says, Jake, I'm disappointed at the disproportional number of dragons in this game of yours. There's just that one in the crypt made of boners. Please fix. Okay, thanks, bye. I don't know. We, we, we don't specifically have, like, a no dragons rule. Yeah, it just hasn't really come up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did once, uh, well, there's that Hydra, I guess, in the daily dungeon. A Hydra's kind of like a dragon, right? It's like a bunch of dragons. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've always wanted to put a frog-breathing dragon somewhere in the game. Why? But there was never really a good place for it. Uh, Robot Porn says, I remember a long time ago you said you might make the spirit orb a free pull. Is that still on the table? Um, it's still in the item table, if that's what you mean. 
Oh, and then Perform1Q says the same thing. A while ago, Jake said he wasn't opposed to making the Spirit Orb a free pull. Wouldn't be unbalanced, and it would make Plastigos more viable and fun. I think you should do it. Uh, it was one of those things where it was never a... Uh, it was never, like, a simple way to do it. I think... Yeah, what... Did we change it so you could pull it in subsequent runs? Uh, I don't remember that. If so, then that's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah, but it's the kind of thing where I can't just do it because it might have some consequence that I can't uh, I can't think about in the amount of time that I have uh, to realistically just go hmm uh, hmm in between answering questions on the radio show. Uh, Judo Two says, "When I log on to the game, my inventory section sections are all closed. I do not want that, and the option isn't selected. Bug feature fix, please." I've never heard anybody else say that. Hmm. So I don't know if that's real or not. Uh, Mysticus says, where's my radio free regalia? Dude, I don't know. Ask some DJ. I'm not a radio KOL DJ anymore. I got my, I got my Epaulets ripped off. You did? I didn't actually get my Epaulets ripped off. I didn't even know you had any to begin with. Um, I have that one shirt that I really like that has Epaulets on it. Uh-huh. I wish I had a bunch more shirts like that. That's the one thing that I hate about clothing. I had this pair of jeans, and they wore out, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy another copy of this exact pair of jeans. And then I went to do it, and it's like, oh, we don't make those anymore. Those are from like three years ago. They couldn't possibly still be in style. And I said, fuck. You can only buy jeans right now that have insufficient fabric to cover your nutsack and go up as far um, as your pube line. Hmm. Well, everybody's pube line is different. Well, sure. I learned that in a book I read about self-esteem and puberty. Uh, yeah, yours is really different. But uh, mm-hmm. it's not supposed to start at your navel. I'm talking like the, the top of the triangle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The top of the map of Tasmania. Exactly. Um, yeah. Ah, another thing. Every time I see anything involving Amanda Palmer, I hate her just a little bit more. Yep. What did you see? Uh, so that video for Map of Tasmania, which is a song that she did about how you shouldn't uh, shave or trim your bush. Ah, gotcha. Um, and there was some, they did some cover of something on like a Craig Kilborn show. I enjoyed watching that. Really? For everybody that wasn't her, you know. Because it was what it was like. It was Moby, and it was the guy Stephen Merritt and yeah. Neil Gaiman. Right. What's what song was it even? Gaiman was essential. Uh, science fiction double feature. Oh yeah, well you liked it because it's that Rocky Horror horse shit. Exactly. Man, I, the something happened. I guess where like the second season of Glee became available on Netflix streaming, and so I had that playing in the background for like two entire days. Yeah. I couldn't move. Um, so I, did you enjoy the Glee episode where they uh, where they focused on the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Uh, that was pretty terrible. Oh, really? Yeah. Seems like the kind of shit that would be right up your alley. You'd think so, but they they did so many changes to the lyrics that it was kind of pointless and it, like ironed all of the. I don't know. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to sing those songs in a really mannered and auto-tuned way. 
Mm-hmm. It just sounded dumb. Like, they did sweet transvestite, but they didn't want to say transvestite or transsexual. Okay. So, I forget how it ended up, but it was really dumb. And that's saying something for Glee. Season 3 is uh, is way better than Season 2 was, though, so uh, you have something to look forward to there, buddy. Cool. Yeah, I guess that's available on some sort of Hulu. Yes, on the Hulu. Mm. Uh, hormones writes, What's in a name? Would you actually read my name on the radio? Do you think it's the kind of name people would find offensive? I know it's a bridge too far for a joke you guys would make in the game, but do you think it's at least a little bit clever? My name, not the bridge. The problem with it is that it doesn't come across at all when spoken. Right. Right. So it like it looks, and also uh, uh, you can't see that only the letters He Man are capitalized. <laughs> right. I have to say that I do think that it's kind of funny when people do that thing where they capitalize a word inside their username, like just finding words that exist in order inside your username and yeah. capitalizing them. I think that's kind of funny and that clever. Yeah. Uh, but I, there aren't any. I mean, I, I could do ick. Right. Uh, or I could pretend that I had been hired by Calvin Klein and just capitalize the CK. Or hired by Louis CK. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, okay, here's a question. Is, is Louis CK reviled for making jokes in which he makes fun of people and calls them a faggot? I don't know. Like, he does that whole routine, which is essentially us explaining why we use the word faggot and to me it makes perfect sense what he's saying but I'm sure that people would give him the same argument they gave us but it seems like everybody loves him like I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Louis C.K. huh and I mean is it just because he you know I mean is it is it like the Bill Clinton smoking weed versus George Bush doing coke where the response is like, yeah, fuck you. Oh, okay, never mind. Right. I don't know. No. That's a weird thing. You know, I mean, like, The Onion. Is the, is the Onion boorish because of that joke that they made where they were making fun of uh, lame kids' toys by suggesting that you get your children's Christmas presents at Professor Faggot Q. Boredom's lame mutational cocksuckery? Right. Probably. I mean, I, I guess that was ten years ago. Yeah, and I think all of those people are our age or older. Yeah. And writing for people who are our age or older. Yeah, and so, but so is uh, so is that guy that did Tower Heist, whose name I can't even remember. Bradley Manning. Yeah. Ma- Madly Branning. Rhett Butler. Mar- Marlon Brando. <laughs> what what is that guy's name? Uh, Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner, okay. Brett Brett Butler was the comedian who was Grace Under Fire. Who right. Was, who is now homeless. Just sad. Really? Yeah, she's living in a homeless shelter and regretting being a kind of a diva on her TV show. And it, she's, wait, she's mounting she's, some kind of comeback as like doing stand up, but she's in a homeless shelter right now. That seems that seems weird. Yeah. Seems like she could do a Kickstarter. Get me a shitty apartment. Yep. Although you'd have to turn it into an art project. Get me a shitty apartment to turn into a reality show about living in a shitty apartment. Done. Um, 
Linguini Lad says, Bugger feature. Inabox says, Those items don't combine to make anything, citizen. Perhaps we should try something else when I try to combine a spider web and a tattered scrap of paper. Uh, wait, what? No, it's not a smithing ingredient. Uh, is it possible to consume a children's meal of the damned when eating a quantum taco? If not, please make it possible. I don't think a children's meal of the damned even has a consume message. So I thought it wasn't possible to consume it. Period. Yeah, I, I think that it is. I think that it is not because I don't think we even made it food. Yeah. Let me look. Uh, no, I guess it is food. Yeah. Why are people so obsessed with that? It's because they know about it. Yep. There's other stuff in the same level of sort of development hell <laughs> that Children's Meal of the Damned is in. Oh, speaking of which, did you hear about uh, Arrested Development? Not that you necessarily care about it, but... Yeah, it's coming back on Netflix? Yeah, which is interesting to me. I, I fear that it is not as good a news as many people on the internet believe that it is. Yeah. Um, because I don't think that having original programming translates to extra money for Netflix as readily as a successful TV show on a network. Uh-huh. Um, just because they don't have advertising on it, so they'll either have to put advertising on it, which is like, fuck that, and, and I think also it might end up being one of those like Scott Pilgrim things where it's like, all right, let's see if all you nerds who lamented the loss of Arrested Development put your money where your mouth is, and like maybe they all do, but like, whoop, that wasn't actually all that much money. Right. Do you suppose that a bunch of people will subscribe to Netflix that hadn't before? I have no idea. I like I, I find it somewhat for. difficult to imagine that person, but that doesn't mean that they're not out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to, to shit on it. Like, I think it's a bad thing, but it's just, like, a lot of people saying, like, wow, this just signals the beginning of the end for the traditional mainstream media outlets. And I was thinking, like, no, it doesn't. You know? Do you suppose that there's a chance, too, that they might have the exact same writers and the exact same actors and just fail to capture lightning in a bottle again? Oh, I doubt it. I don't have any I don't have any reason to I mean I guess everything goes downhill eventually, right? Yeah, that's why when people talk about how there should be more Firefly, it doesn't necessarily follow, even if they get everybody together and do exactly the same thing. Like for one thing they can't. Because there's been there have been five or six years for people to talk about what they like and what they don't like. So there the atmosphere is polluted already for doing exactly what they did before. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what, I think what a lot of try. people don't necessarily talk about is that, like, one good thing about Firefly getting canceled early was that it got canceled before it started to suck. Right? And, like, it might not have, but it definitely didn't. Uh -huh. And so, you know, the entirety of the corpus of that show is something that people who like it can be extremely proud of. Right. Which is not really the case with anything. I mean, I guess with Arrested Development, it did. I mean, there, I didn't really think that there was any decline in quality over the time that Arrested Development existed. But who knows? I mean, I feel like The Simpsons went on for too long for to have the, the same writers, right? Right. 
Like, I mean, I had, I, you know, I, I read an analysis of, of like why Modern Simpsons is the way that it is, which was just like everyone who is writing for The Simpsons now was a Simpsons fan growing up. Right. But but who knows? I mean, I don't really have a lot of data to suggest that The Simpsons got worse over time. I certainly walked away from it, but I've never really been a kind of... I've never had whatever that gene is that everybody seems to have on the internet that makes it so when you stop liking something, that means that it was bad. Huh. You know, it, it just like people who like, oh, I played World of Warcraft and got sick of it. Yeah, that game is total bullshit even though I loved it for years. Ah, oh, gotcha. Y- you know, th- there seems to be this, this like, need to justify a decision that you made. You know, it's like being really disdainful about the music you liked when you were younger. Huh. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not as common as I think it is. Or maybe no, when you hear the it. absence of it is not as uncommon as it used to be. I mean... I think of it as the, uh, remember how they're making a new Indiana Jones? God, I hope it'll be as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark, because Temple of Doom was bullshit. Yeah, Temple of Doom was total bullshit, but then Last Crusade was total bullshit, too. Yeah, and, you know, Raiders wasn't even that good, too. Like, yeah, none of that is true, you posturing hippies. Mm-hmm. Stirs. I was definitely, I was definitely on the other side of that. Like, I, like, Temple of Doom is my favorite of uh-huh. them. Right, I mean, it's it, and it's like, it's it's more popcorny, I guess, than the others. But you know, I did say when the new Tron was coming out that the original Tron was pretty boring. Yeah, I think that's objectively true. It is it is awesome, but it is unsurprising to me that it wasn't an amazing success. Right. Uh, no, I'm, it is not unsurprising to me that it wasn't not an amazing success. Failure, an amazing failure. Isn't it true that you wouldn't not fail to assert that that's not the truth? Do you not entertain by me? <laughs> Do you not by me entertain? Uh, hey, let's take a break. All right, break in. And we're back. Hey. Uh, you know what I remembered uh, when I when I ran into the house and then ran back out of the house uh, when my alarm went off? What did you remember? My legs hurt. Oh, yeah, that was that. That's all your... You're doing of active stuff, man. I have never been paintballing. Ever. It was fun. But you, you just... I don't know. Had to do a lot of moving that I'm not accustomed to doing. I think you just have to be less of a pussy than I am. You think? To even contemplate it. Because, like, the first... The context that I first heard about it, I think, was at a... Like a... Christian summer camp. And the camp counselor was telling about how they went paintballing and you know everybody comes back with some bruises and some welts and it's totally awesome and at that moment my 10 year old self was like fuck that I never ever want to do that having people shoot me with things that hurt mm-hmm. uh, my wife does it all the, or did it all the time back in the day I mean you get to do it back to them and the pain provides a, it makes it, it it ups the stakes a little bit it makes it a meaningful thing and it's like I don't know don't you, don't you ever wonder, like, what would happen if the shit really went down? Maybe there were zombies with guns coming after you? Yeah, I think I would probably be toast. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. I'd like to think I'd give it the old college try. Oh, I would try. But, uh, Let's get to that forum thread, buddy. 
underscore boss writes what are your opinions on giving us the ability to breed familiars obviously not creating another hatchling but maybe a specific item oh yeah like a used familiar condom yeah wait what uh let's see ultabot says will you guys ever release any new type of annual hybrid familiars for people that don't care about leprechauns what I don't believe that there is a person who doesn't care about leprechauns on some level yeah like on, on a deeply personal level I would like to think yeah yeah, those those two Mr. A familiars are changing come, I was going to say Monday, but what I meant was January. <laughs> Lo, unto me, the years are like weeks. And the days are like minutes, and the minutes are like hours. Uh, whack says, Cribbo coming up, hooray! Somebody who goes on real-life holidays, will you be extending the Christmas season an extra week or two after December 25th? You guys are basically all Santa, so it's your call. What does that mean? You're all Santa. We are the only Santa. We like, in the same way that some of the some of the movies at the video store are all anal. Right. Do you think she's um, saying you're nothing but Santa, or you're the guys who make this decision? All mm. of the decision making rests on you. Um, you know, I think we'll do what we've always done, which is to make the all of the Crimbo content available up until New Year's. Yeah. Um, which is to say maybe roll over on the first like the night of the first because I don't remember necessarily being judicious about being around on the 31st to shut stuff down but maybe I automate it I don't know yeah I think I don't even it, remember man I think it goes through New Year's Day yeah. if it doesn't uh, also it Santa familiar the scarecrow was so cute I just have to ask a Santa familiar well we are all Santa yeah um, no, we've already got December's item. Yep. Uh, let's see. Child says, so we have the pork elves who long ago sailed to the moon. We have the crimbo elves who make toys and complain about whoever's in charge. We even have kitchen elves who only emerge from Cobb's Knob when you're in Bad Moon. And they're all tiny people with big pointy ears. So where does the elf farm raffle girl in the palindome fit in uh, with her tiny ears, long hair, and necklace being worn around her forehead? No, she has the same ears that the elves on the moon have. Does she? Yeah, I think that's what I modeled them after. Although I don't know that she was a pork elf. I think she was a she was a palindrome expedition elf. Right. They've been around so long, you've got to imagine that they've kind of differentiated somewhat as a species. Yeah. Don't you think? I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord Vigilot says, In the Thanksgiving spirit, similar to Santa Claus, how were you disillusioned about the pilgrims and Indians being happy friends, and how old were you? Uh, wishing you a gut-achingly wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm gonna try. Uh, I don't remember thanks. ever learning anything about history. I would... I was probably an adult before... Well, maybe like 15 or 16 reading about the first Thanksgiving in Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That gave me a better idea of what was going on there. Uh, Sunel Dunn says, have you considered using the challenge pass to play with the combat system at all? Watasafa did this, but it seemed like everyone just used drunken baby style. Do you think restricting some of the commonly used strategies inside a challenge path will lead to interesting results or just frustrate people? Uh, also, given the recent threat on unavailable familiars, can we have a challenge run where we play as hand turkeys and are constantly under attack by people seeking to put us in their display cases or mall stores? Um, each of your fingers is a different skill. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I probably just, I think we made the, and I say we, I made the combat skills in Way of the Surprising Fist a little too powerful, but then everybody talked about how much fun it was to be real powerful, so 
food. I was okay. Yeah. Uh, Schlurp says, how much does my pen pal spend every week on postage? Is his family rich or something? No, the government in distant lands subsidizes that. That's just the same. You know, because over there they have an intrusive socialist big government. Mm-hmm. We're more laissez-faire in the kingdom. Uh, benevolent monarchy. Really just a, uh, a sort of uh, indifferent monarchy. Right. An, a, a disinterested monarchy. Eric says, Nemesis familiar recipes? Doesn't even have to be epic like the group, but it would be nice to get rid of extras. Yeah, I guess a lot of those are piling up. Uh, it's a quiment, says Top 1214. The gold stars, silver moons, and bronze buttons confuse me slightly, but are generally awesome. Where does one mine gold, silver, and bronze? Do KO Olympians not get chrome, linoleum, and asbestos medals? Uh, the rewards not having pop-ups was slightly disappointing. Uh, yeah, you know, the thing that made me not do those for so long was not being able to come up with a satisfying theme, and I still didn't. Yeah. I, you know, so this is something people people asked uh, later in this thread about, like, you know, things like, oh, winking means dropping meat, and dancing means getting items and stuff, and, and you know, in the, in the discussion about coming up with new classes. I always have a hard time when I try to imagine, like, okay... What are the KOL equivalents of gold, silver, and bronze medals? Uh, and then I don't want to just come up with three random things the way that I did in the early days because they would seem too random. But they seem too random then. Yeah, I kind of so, feel like we could. Yeah, no, I'm sure that we could. Uh, let's see. Also, also, would it be terribly difficult for the rewards mouse over text to say which path it was rewarded for? It would be impossible, actually, because uh, we don't, uh, well, it wouldn't be impossible, but uh, the the mouse over would actually have to parse the leaderboards to figure out what uh, what you were, uh, which ones you were on. Uh, Sutto says, what are your opinions on the choice to make Trendy roll out monthly, assuming it does? Did you really think about it and say, yes, this is what we intend, or was it more you kind of saw and ignored it? I love the fact that there's now support for a Type 2 contest even after the Trendy run stops being trendy. That's, uh, I mean, that was what it was for. So, yes, we really thought about it and said, yes, this is what we intend. Right. Um, also, I hate to nitpick, but I was reading about how you implemented sandpaper as a craft, not a usable. You guys are good trolls if you hold to your guns on this one. Yeah, I'm going to let people yell at hot stuff about that. Because, um, I mean, we... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is why you guys can't have nice things. We did the used skillbook thing, which people have been requesting for a really long time, and there is just no way to... to make everybody happy even in the context of just a thing that we're giving you that we totally didn't have to do that's weird Elicordia Anachi says Dear Jix thanks for the thanks for the earworm I heard the song on last Monday or Tuesday on Advice Hot Dog and it's been stuck in my head ever since it's worse than normal because as you demonstrated with the second verse you can plug all manner of words in and they fit the tune just fine also my brain has started creating mashups currently titled Octopus's Garden in Mexico really it's a very catchy tune well gosh thanks uh, Takani says, is there a chance we could ever get a skill that lets us fire a rocket punch? F- uh, flying Fire Fist is fun, but I'd like a more I'd like a bit more metal in my hits. So a way to extend your pointer finger and pinky finger while you're doing the punch? Yeah. The metal. Uh, let's see. It's pronounced metal. 
Yeah, because that umlaut's on the A. Yeah. Cristoni writes, Hey, Jack and Scully, I just stopped a gape yet again at the Palindome pep talk. That is fantastic. Who wrote that? How was it conceived? That is as epic as it gets. Didn't... That's Riff. That wasn't us. No, it wasn't. I think it was me, Grimlock. I thought Riff wrote that. I... My understanding is that it was the pep talk. Uh, Riff wrote the Dr. Awkward confrontation. But the, I'm pretty sure the pep talk was me, Grimlock. It was somebody, it was somebody in Dev that just did it like wrote something in place of a placeholder that I had in there. I was like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm using that. Uh, the gap in the plot says, holy fuck, somebody else using the combination blah 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 and blah 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 thing. And it's Chick. I thought I was alone on the planet. Do you like Cheerios? Do you like Captain Crunch? Do you like combination Cheerios and Captain Crunch? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I can't stop. Basically anything now, anything that has two syllables is blah blah, put it on the pizza. And anything that has three syllables is I'm at the blah blah blah, and then you come up with another thing that says that has three syllables. I actually ate dinner last night at the combination Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. Did you buy a uh, pizza taco? I didn't. I bought uh, two gorditas and a nachos bel grande. And again, I get about a third of the way through a nachos bel grande, and I think, why the fuck does it always seem like a good idea to eat one of these? I need to just start getting the regular nachos because it's like once I run out of the chips that just have cheese on them, I'm just like, eh, I really don't want the rest of this. Two-part question, says Slunk. One, what is your favorite Pantera song? I don't know that I could name a Pantera song. Wasn't there one called Cemetery Gates? Yeah, I was going to say Cemetery Gates is the one Pantera song that I have, and it's, okay. it's really good. I like it. Is it? Yeah, uh, you two, can we get a black tooth grin reference in game? Uh, you can pretend that a black hole sun reference is a black tooth grin reference. Yes. Uh, Rick Tony Rex says, "Hello, Jake and Mr. Skullhead. Was there discussion on whether to include or exclude ultra rares from the trendy challenge path? They are currently allowable polls. Thank you, and hope you both have a great Thanksgiving, Riggs." Uh, yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, no, I'm not going to say a lot of consternation. It was definitely addressed in Dev that people would potentially be unhappy with this as a as a type 2 if it also allowed ultra rares but i we we may have actually talked about this on the on the Thursday show i don't remember um, i've had a lot to drink since then um it was important to me that there be a hard and fast rule for whether or not something was on this exclusion list and there isn't a rule like it, you know it's like okay it's either limited time content or an ultra rare is not a rule that I like um, you know I don't know if it's going to turn out to be a big deal or not like there might be people who think up oh, this path this was what I wanted but because you're allowed to pull ultra rares it's just as broken as it was the, as, the, as the situation that this was supposed to be a band-aid for uh, but I haven't heard anyone say that so maybe somebody will say that now. Um, I second this, says the dog delusion. What the hell am I supposed to do with 10 plus macaroni ducks? Uh, let's see, what is 10 plus macaroni ducks? Um, I don't know, because you have to carry the mac. I was never good at da-da math. Right. Uh, there are very few items in the game that cannot be traded, discarded, or otherwise used in some way. Why make Nemesis Familiar Hatchlings one of those things? I mean, it, 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 we didn't, like, 
oh, hey, let's let's make the decision to let these things accumulate. It's just with familiar hatchlings, anytime we make an untradeable familiar hatchling, this is going to happen with it if we don't go out of our way to create some other way to use it, right? It's just the nature of familiars. You can only have one of a given type. And so, you know, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with like an untradeable skill book. If you have two of them, you just can't do anything with it. Well, except now you can rub sandpaper on it. And discover all those recipes. Obviously, making them tradable would be ridiculous, but why not cookable into some awesome once per ascension dish? Or make some bounty hunter hunter ass guy who could take Nemesis familiar hatchlings and give out some sort of karma slash item slash currency. I just want to do, I want to either do something with the little bastards or otherwise get them out of my inventory. So, yeah, I mean, that's the problem, right? If we make them discardable or auto sellable, you could auto sell or discard the first one that you got, and then you would. Be, you would have rendered yourself unable to complete the quest. Um, you know, we could have probably thought of this ahead of time and said, oh, well, on subsequent ones, if you've already got the familiar, the guy gives you, uh, you know, a banana or something instead of the macaroni duck. But then, like, there's bad moon to worry about, so that that in itself is not a particularly simple solution. Um, well, I agree that it gets annoying, and, you know, we did, we did something with the... Uh, grew egg because that was the thing that just accumulated uh sleepy room says i really like the messages you get when you visit the guild leader of your appropriate class which includes the initial visit when you aren't a member yet however when you visit a cross-class guild all you see is some boring generic message only x and y may enter the guild don't you think it'd be better if the guild leader told you this in a flavorful way it could even be different for each class if you're feeling inspired uh also i think the discovery section is displaying advanced cocktail crafting crafting recipes as needing two adventures when only one of the steps is fancy uh, yeah, I think Eleron was complaining to C.D. Moyer about that earlier today, and C.D. Moyer was like, what? It's cool that you occasionally get a surprise, <laughs> which means that it's probably complicated. I mean, that multi-stage crafting thing is... That is one of those things where if the system had been designed from the get-go to support that, there wouldn't be all of the issues with it that there is now when it's like, it's better for this feature to exist than not to exist, and in order for it to exist there has to be some weirdness inherent in it. Um, but yeah, I should tell Rift to write specific messages for trying to go into other people's guilds. Because he wrote all the... When I revamped the initial uh, guild entrance quests recently, he did all of that writing. So he knows he knows more about what the personalities of those guys are supposed to be like than anybody else. I, uh, I have that thing where whenever I write a, a dialogue from a character, that character is always me. I can't actually, I can't actually imagine a fictional character of my own devising. <laughs> you can't imagine somebody who doesn't talk like you. Yeah. I well, sometimes I give myself a funny accent. Hmm. Ha ha ha. Um, you know, like the captain of the gourd. I mean, fortunately, you're a funny enough guy that at least all of your characters are going to be clever. Oh, that's sweet of you. Uh, Linguini Lad says, I don't know if I said this before, so here it goes. I was at my first KOL meet last weekend, and it was a fun time. I met lots of new people and made a bunch of new friends. I even got to meet customer service and Fusilaban, too. Also, I just wanted to thank you and the rest of the asymmetric crew for donating the con items to the raffle and auction. Yeah. Uh, so, Jake, can we expect you and or any of the other ASIM crew to be at the next Columbus? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, my girlfriend is not going to let me skip another one. Yeah. I will definitely be there. It killed me to miss it this year. Yeah, I just didn't, like... All of this planning, all of the planning for this was being done at a time when I had just been on a whole bunch of airplanes, and I was like, fuck a goddamn airplane right in its fucking airplane ass. And there was also the wedding. 
that you had said you were yeah yeah so it was like all right so are we going to columbus or are we going to this wedding and i was like hey wedding we can drive to we are going to this wedding and then later on i was like oh we're sad because we miss columbus um yeah it was also because it was at a new place i kind of wanted to let them do a test run because um, the last columbus i was at i had a run-in with the police hmm. yeah this is at a different uh, hotel though so it won't have that guy it's apparently at the, uh, they were saying that they might not do it at the same hotel again next year i don't know the what i heard was that there wasn't any place to sit outside uh-huh. Um, which, which to me is a real downside. Um, and also that the booze situation was not ideal, which I guess it wasn't really ideal at the old hotel either, but like the hotel had a bar, but there was, it was crazy expensive hmm. and you couldn't be out in the common areas with outside booze. Uh. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it sounded like there were some, it sounded like there were some definite things that would, you know, certainly didn't stop everyone from having a great time and didn't mean that there was like anything wrong with the event but things that would probably get on my nerves a lot yeah because i pretty much like to sit outside smoke cigars and drink my own beer the entire time i'm at columbus it seems like they um they have a different set of people running it too yeah than this year and than last year yeah apparently the people uh running it uh next year are the only ones that have been to every single one of them yeah I think they'll do a bang-up job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the only thing that I don't like about Columbus, and one of the things that stopped me from going this year, is it is so dumb trying to fly there from Minneapolis. It's like 10 hours away, and I can... You know, it would be like a three-hour straight flight. It's farther to fly from Minneapolis to Phoenix or from Minneapolis to Florida but there are never any flights that just go straight into Columbus and if there are, they are retarded expensive, like $500 mm. and so just looking at the like, oh okay well tickets are like 300 that's cool, oh leaving at 6 in the morning, flying into like Kansas City, sitting there for 4 hours and judging by past experience having the flight then get delayed and delayed and delayed until we get in at like 11 o'clock at night is it any easier to fly to like Cincinnati? Because I, I seems I like Columbus it. is as big as a lot of other places that it's easier to fly into. I mean, it wasn't like it didn't surprise me that much that we had to get on a little commuter hop to like get to Arkansas, right. but that was in the middle of nowhere, right? You know, it wasn't a terrible drive. No, that was alright. I mean, it sucked that you had to drive back by yourself. I wouldn't be super averse to coming out and hanging out with you for a bit in Minneapolis, and then we drive down from there again. That would be pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, that was that was a that was a fun trip, and the the only thing that you know, the only like sort of bad part about it was you having to drive that rental car back by yourself. And but, I enjoyed that. Like, oh yeah? That was twelve hours of time that I could control all of my inputs, and yeah. driving is something I enjoy anyway. So yeah, it was fine. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's it, like at that point, at that at that ex- that level of expense and and sort of just hassle of like, I just kind of I have to really want to get somewhere bad to tolerate a connecting flight because that just like triples the amount of angst I get about flying. Mm-hmm. It just it makes the whole thing more stressful. I have to do more of the parts of flying that are scary to me. Right. 
Uh, let's see. The Dog Delusion says, In the left pane, with all your character info, clicking on your class's name should take you directly to that class's guild hall. Am I right? Huh. That's a little weird. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know that that's intuitive enough. Linguini Led says, Jick, uh, if somebody figured out the Ultra Rare formula, would you change the way it works? If so, why? Uh, you're trying to get me to reveal details, and I probably wouldn't. Uh, also, what does this effect do? And then links to Existential Torment. You have to, you have to um, ask Riff. Bill Edgerant says, oh, this will this will be great for the listeners. Uh, not really game-related, but I was reading over the November 7th transcript and remembered that I'd wanted to comment on something you said. You were talking about having a spiral staircase built to replace one that was falling apart in your house. I used to work construction and wanted to tell you that existing the, the repairing the existing staircase would definitely be the way to go. And he talks a lot about it. The existing staircase is not a spiral staircase, though. Right. But I think that you're probably right. I think I just have to fix these. I think I just have to fix the shitty steps. Um... Anyway, he says construction is a competitive market right now with so many looking for work. Uh, I have found that whenever somebody says that, it continues to not be the case. In my right. experience, when you call a contractor, nine times out of ten, or 99 times out of 100, they just don't return your calls. The contractor that ends up doing work for me is the contractor that is able to answer the phone when I call them and like I'll come over later this afternoon to give you an estimate right if there is ever a point where it becomes incumbent upon a contractor to call you back they just won't yeah that happened with our roof we called 10 contractors had maybe five return calls had two estimates and one of them was double what the other one was yeah, and it's like, I don't understand, you know, because it seems like they're running a business, they would want more customers, right? Especially in a place where, well, in a place like the United States, where the labor market is kind of in dire straits, right? Like, it seems like you could hire guys to work construction. Right. Right. I mean, you know, here, you just go somewhere where there are day laborers laying around, and if you, if you, want, to, uh, if you want to risk your, your business on... The, the pay that you get from a single additional project but it, it's a weird thing I mean I can definitely understand the like not calling people back because I'm pretty bad about calling people back when they leave me voicemails but sure. my I, I don't have a line of work that relies on people getting in touch with me because they want me to do specific things and then me arranging to do them you know I found this one set of contractors here that just I, I've been I've had pretty decent experiences with, and so I just always use them for everything now. Um, but I guess that's what you got to do. Maybe you, maybe you should look at uh, what is that thing like Angie's List, right? You have to pay Angie's List like a hundred dollars to be able to look at it. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. Which did that not used to be the case? Because it seems like for something that relies on crowdsourced data. Right, but they want they want their crowdsourced data to be reliable, uh, mm -hmm. I guess. Huh. Uh, I, I also had really good luck with yeah. service magic, um, which is weird. Because you know, they just have like a directory of people that do all kinds of stuff, and they will send them out, and then you'll get charged a little more, but you can usually like figure out how to get in touch with that person directly the next time you need them, if you like them. Right. And not go through service, you know, which is basically like a property management company, but for 
guys who fix your air conditioner or whatever. Salty Sid says, Are trendy runs that include Feast of Boris going to be allowed on the leaderboards this time? For Fist, it didn't make a difference to include them, mainly because players were unprepared. I expect to see much of the board dominated by Feast of Boris runs with this challenge path that they're not excluded. They will be excluded. They were supposed to be excluded for Fist. It turned out to not be that big of a deal that they weren't, but it was very much like a fuck-up on my part. Um... Uh, belligerent says, seems to me a lot of people are missing the point on trendy. To me, the path seems to, seems meant to make you go uh, without things that you're used to having and approach optimization uh, with fresh eyes. If you guys make a replacement every time something goes out of style, then there isn't much point to it, and the items of the month will be forced into a rotating schedule rather quickly. Well, for certain things, that's honestly kind of nice. Like, I feel like January's item of the month is going to be whatever will make trendy runs during January as competitive as possible with whatever has gone out in in November and December, for instance. Like, part of the deal with Challenge Paths was a way for us to be able to do items of the month that were, like, optimal in the short term so that we didn't have to, you know, so that we could cut down on power creep a little bit. Ideally, one out of every four items of the month will have that as its guiding principle. I mean, you know, the, the overall guiding principle is this is a thing that should be awesome, right? But in terms of making it optimal, having the challenge paths and having it be a thing that's tailored for, for whatever the current challenge path is is going to make it a lot easier. Um, the Libra, you know, people are upset about the Librum, I think. And, and I say people are upset. I think there are a handful of people complaining about it, which probably indicates that a tiny handful of people are genuinely upset. But I think it is because the only Librum available in the path is one that was subject to extremely limited availability. Um, and I think that, that, you know, the one saving grace of it is that it is not really that important. You know, it is a thing that is mostly just flavor, but like the fact that it is there instead of nothing is going to chafe certain people. And, you know, understandably so, but I don't think we're going to do another Librum in January. Uh, huh. Shell says on the topic of the rousing speech in the palindrome. Why does it? Uh, why is it that it caps out at a hundred of each substat instead of one hundred and one? Palindromes are optimal. That's a good point, actually. I kind of want to fix that right now. Um, let's see. Kevin Andrew Murphy says something. Uh, boy, yeah, talking about. Uh, the Gygax, yeah, the the Gygax home is going to be available for thirty dollars at next year's con. Like that is that is definitely the plan. So don't don't sweat that. Right. Mr. Adventurer says, first off, it's been over five years since I started playing the game, and it has only gotten better thanks to the powers that be. Now to my questions. In an earlier radio show, you mentioned that you made astral items that were not placed at the bureau due to newer players striving for something potentially worthless instead of perming skills. When do you plan on implementing those new items, if you still plan on it? That is. Now we didn't make anything like that. We were thinking about, we were thinking about having some like trinkets available for sale for karma that didn't really do anything in terms of the game. That were just like collectibles. But I decided not to. Because of because of what you say, I mean, we basically figured out how we would do it if we were going to. It's just a thing that would unlock after a few ascensions, so you would definitely know the value of perming skills by that point. Um, and it was also like you know we didn't really know what to put in there. It was like oh this will be a place uh, maybe there will be like a familiar, but that's how you get it, or a tattoo, or or whatever, or like ten familiar larvae. Yeah. 
a, a box that contains a random old Mr. Store item. <laughs> yep. Unnamed Hobo says, future content based on the KOL comic book? It's game content based on a comic book based on the game. Thoughts? You've uh, introduced new characters and stuff in the comic? No, yeah. yeah. There are characters in the comic. Yeah. But so, like, I mean, like, I could see, like, we could, you know, y- you could, if you wanted to, write a quest with Lolcat as a boss or whatever. Yeah. I think it, it might come in. There's a mechanism for one of the quests that I wrote differently in the book than it is in the game and we talked about maybe having that be another way to do that thing mm-hmm. but that's like episode 4 mm. or 5 sound quality just got real bad on your end which is sometimes a prelude to us getting disconnected so pay uh, attention yeah. buddy I'm attentioned hey, you sound better Dear the powers that might be giants, says St. Doodle, sometimes I come up with questions that are convoluted, difficult to both read and answer on air and outside of your expertise, e.g. CDM is in charge of that, in response to the API or clan info question. What's the best way to handle this? A separate thread on GD? A K-mail to the person most capable of dealing with the question? Keeping my good-for-nothing trap shut? If you want something specific in API, um, I, like, I hope that CD Moyer doesn't get mad at me for suggesting that you K-mail him. Because, you know, it's it, like if it's a thing that has some value and is easy to do, it doesn't actually take a lot of time to do that kind of thing. So uh, Ashton says, what's the word on the, subscri- on the subscription for the KOL comics? I'd like to at least be able to order the PDFs versions. Yeah. we got to figure that out, right? What, the PDFs? The ability to sell the PDFs in the future. Oh. Um. I think it's set up so we just put it as a thing that's for sale in the store. Oh, really? I guess that's... Yeah, yeah I guess why not? Because we have a little tool that you just put in an email address and it sends the person the little... Like, yeah, yeah, no, the you're right. ...crypto link, so... Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no difference in distributing them to people who we have their info from whatever and we have their info from uh, a KOL store order. So that's yeah. yeah I think that's a very good point. What do you think? Uh, what I'm, are you charging for? A, what do you think makes sense to charge for a digital copy? How much are we charging for the real ones? Um, well, they cost about two dollars a piece to make, and so we maybe like five, five or six bucks shipped. Yeah, because we have three ninety nine printed on the comic itself. Okay. And so then that plus shipping, yeah. All right. For the um, Kickstarter, so we like a couple bucks, couple bucks for a digital copy. Yeah, for the Kickstarter, it was three dollars for the PDF. I don't know if anybody who paid three dollars for it is going to be mad if it's two dollars for people in the store because they got it. They got it a month the early. Spirit of the spirit of Kickstarter is such that that probably doesn't upset anybody who really believes in it. And I think also if it's two dollars for the PDF and then five dollars for the comic that includes the pdf then that's kind of a cool deal yeah so uh, as far as a subscription goes though i'm wary of that just because in my heart of hearts i don't believe that we're going to get them all printed and done yeah it's, and it is a, it, it, it's it, so that far does get hairy if anything happens right i mean like we don't have like a we don't have a long term contract with the artist like. All right, what if Doug and I have a falling out, or 
it even it's gonna take I think he can probably do maybe four issues next year and so it'll be into January of 2013 and the people have already paid for these things and they're just waiting for them that would drive yeah. me insane like for me if I paid for the subscription I would expect them to be done like once a month and that's just not gonna happen yeah. so I'd rather just you know we can keep track of anybody who's bought one we can put on a mailing list if they want to to see when the next one is available sure and once all six are done, we're going to do a trade of them, so then you can get all oh. of them. Have you already looked into getting that printed? I haven't. I'm going to talk to Jack Prince about doing something like that once I get the comics and they look good. So sure. then we'll have a printer that we know we like. I'm I'm stoked. Do you I like I like you know because this is a thing that you've been working on and wanting to do for a really long time and it's cool that it like has turned into an actual physical object. Yeah, that's gonna be tomorrow. That's gonna be awesome. Psyche unless writes. It, By the time I hear so. this recording, I will have passed my defense and I'll be Doctor Psyche. No thanks to your lousy multimedia empire giving me all kinds of reasons not to work on my dissertation for the last year. I'm kidding. Your game and podcast have helped me keep my sanity and given me little things to look forward to day to day and week to week. Thanks a bunch. And don't forget to call me Doctor Psyche from now on. I'm making everyone call me that. I'm making my mom call me that. Doctor Psyche. Congratulations, Psyche. What do you have a doctorate in? It's probably some silly, like English literature. Ooh, Art history. Look, look at Dr. Poetry. Uh, Diabolico says, So I had an interesting instance of the Tetris effect spawning from too much KOL last week. I'm a professor and have been listening to the podcast on my way to, my way to work for a couple of weeks, and I had a dream that I was sitting in on the recording of a podcast live in a classroom with Jack and Scully standing up front doing the teaching. You guys were explaining a new mechanic wherein you took this short, tattered piece of a wedding skirt to the cemetery and cried over the grave, and the corpse bride accompanied you for several adventures. You said you were instituting a new piece of KOL logic akin to dancing or winking, wherein shorts plus eye drops equals companions. Well, so my question is, will you be instituting any new arbitrary bits of KOL logic, like basement equals clan dungeon, or dancing equals item drops, or how did you decide on those things in the first place? Winking makes meat drop, really? Well, I mean, a leprechaun made meat drop, and the way that a leprechaun announced his presence was by winking, right before the meat readout. Right. So that's how that happened. Also, will you ever implement a funky dry mushroom wine recipe? I feel like it'd be extra alcoholic and have stupid art on the bottle to make it funky to compensate for the crappy taste. Is there a mushroom with the missing wine? Huh. Perhaps. And then Erich suggests uh, what our teaching might look like. Mr. Skullhead would say, So, class, the bourgeoisie of the late 18th century could be could best be described with one word. And Jake would say, Dick butt. <laughs> Mr. Skullhead would say, Test on Thursday. I think dick butt is two words. Not the but way it's, that it's written, though. Yeah. Um, 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 um. Riley37 says, I like that across the board you are clear on KOL as a game which includes challenges and satisfaction as an outcome of overcoming challenges. KOL offers a lot of available levels of challenge for different playstyles. The mix of KOL as a combat and leveling game and a puzzle solving game suits me fine. Do you intentionally write some material more for the combat and leveling side and other material more for the puzzle side? I mean, I don't know that I write material for the combat and leveling side so much as like I write material for being cool or funny and the combat and leveling is just the context in which you encounter the content. I don't write a lot of puzzles. Yeah. Um, that's that's largely riff and sometimes hot stuff and sometimes Mr. Skullhead. Um, I mean, I guess I wrote you know I wrote I, I wrote the 
spooky rib and wine puzzles. I guess I wrote a lot of the puzzles to begin with, but like, I tend to stay away from stuff like that now. I think I try to make things that are like satisfying, and and if there's something tricky, it's more of like a hidden bonus thing than like a getting through it. But who knows? Maybe I've just sold out. Uh, what else we've got in here? Yeah, Riley thirty seven points out that ultra rares are just as findable today as they were a year ago. Is true. And then he says, though, it's the ongoing supply of ultra rares which keeps them so affordable compared to the hand turkey. Yeah, but hockey sticks are way more expensive than a lot of Mr. Store items from two or three or four or five years ago, um, which is the, the one in particular that uh, there, was, uh, there was fear that it would cause consternation. But we'll see. You know, I mean, it, it's... Eh, yeah. We always knew about a path like this that it would cause new things to be optimal and it's like maybe we figure out some way to make hockey sticks not as big a deal in the short term and that's the way that we address that right it's like i guess that and maybe the counterclockwise watch are the ones that are that are like truly for real real optimal uh -huh. and truly 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 outrageous uh, Nawarbatan is asking if we would explicitly spell out the effects of pants on the scarecrow and hats on the hat rack and like, no, uh, I don't think so. It's fun. It's fun for you to figure those things out and you like it. Eater of Sorrow says Gobbler Day is coming up soon. <laughs> Gobbler. Oh, <laughs> when I'm at your mom's house, every day is Gobbler Day. Oh. Uh, to brine or not to brine? Deep fried or grilled? Can you grill a turkey? Seems like that would take a long ass time. Yeah, I mean, you could cut it into slices and grill them individually, I guess. Uh, the only time that I have ever cooked a turkey myself, I have deep fried it. Um, we did but your, You what? We did your basic, for the couple of years, we just did the basic, take the turkey as is, cook it, and baste it occasionally. So, I've never brined, but I wouldn't say I made a choice to not brine. Just the last few count. years... Um, Last year I had Thanksgiving dinner in New Orleans. I think I had a fried oyster po' boy. Uh, the year before that I had leftovers from whatever restaurant the girl that MC Frontalot was dating worked at and brought us leftovers home. Um, and I don't remember the year before that. Uh, this year I think we're eating a Thanksgiving dinner at the buffet at the Win in Las Vegas. For the win? For the win. Um, I'm definitely going to deep fry. We're going to do uh, we're going to do Christmas uh, here at my house, though. And I'm going to deep fry a turkey for Christmas. Oh. It's pretty fucking good. And plus, it's kind of like a project, you know. It's like I feel like that's a. There are certain things where it's like, all right, this is like this is like interesting manly cooking, yeah. you know. Whereas you wouldn't get real excited about like baking something. Uh huh. Or in general, I don't know. I never bake anything. I almost never use my oven. Like, I'll occasionally roast some potatoes. But if I'm cooking, it's usually in a saucepan or on a grill. Sure. I don't do a lot of bacon. Baking. I do a lot of bacon. Or a frying pan or a microwave frying pan. I think I'm one of the few... It seems like when people start talking about Thanksgiving, everybody goes, so we're going to do something different than a turkey this year. We're going to have, like, a lobster or... Hey, over this Thanksgiving, we decided, fuck the man, we're having hamburgers or pizza and anything but that, those awful things that we have every year. And I really look forward to every single dish for Thanksgiving. 
Yeah. Like, I want the yams with the marshmallows on them. I want the uh, green bean casserole with the fried onions on top of it. And I want both kinds of cranberry sauce. The uh, crazy jello one and the actual one. I mean, I think there are people who don't derive any comfort from tradition. Well, like, if it's a bunch of stuff that you don't enjoy eating, I can see. Have something else, sure. I'm just not one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't like a lot of what is traditional. Well, not, there, there are many parts of traditional Thanksgiving fare that I don't particularly care for, but I'm going to have them anyway. Mm. You know, that's just what it is. My favorite part of uh, Thanksgiving dinner when I was a kid was always just eating a lot of olives. Because <laughs> there were always olives. Did you My put grandma knew fingers? that I really liked olives, and so she would always just have as many olives as I wanted, and I would just eat them. Hundreds of them sometimes. Yeah, childhood memories. Precious moments. Hmm. Hummel figurines. Uh, what did my, uh, what is, what is that thing that old ladies collect? Were they Avon bottles? I don't know. Huh. Some kind of like perfume bottles that were made in the shapes of things. And I feel like they, I think it was Avon. I think it was Avon that had a line of just custom like glass bottles every year. So there was like, this one is a car with the stopper being the, uh, the smokestack on the car or whatever. (laughs) My grandfather had a bunch of those. They were just like aftershave bottles. Yeah. I think there was some particular outfit that made those, and it was like a thing that they would they would become available from time to time. Right. I think of them like Hummel figurines. I don't know anything about Hummel figurines, though. I go back and forth on how I feel about stuff like that in general. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I always thought it was stupid when I was a kid. Like, they don't do anything, right? They just sit there. But then it's like, I... You know, the way that I treat these Legos nowadays, I make the thing and then it just sits there. It's like putting together a model. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I could take them apart and build other shit with them, but I'm not going to. Right. Yeah. Well, that was all the questions, buddy. We did it. That's all of our time, too. That was. There's uh, not going to be another one of these until a week from tonight, right? Are you, you don't have anything going on that's going to stop you from doing this a week from now, right? Right. Okay. So, that'll be okay then. So, ask exactly uh, the same amount of questions next week, if you would. Yeah, because this worked out really well. You guys, you're really good at question asking. And right. we are Well, I've had fun doing this answer. podcast. Radio show podcast. I had fun, too. And I think we all learned a little something. Good night, everybody. <laughs>